Praise the Lord. Dana Nacho, everybody. Today we live different from the way that we came in, in Jesus' name. We're grateful for all that the Lord has done. Today uh, I'm preaching uh, a message that I really feel um, the Lord this season has been speaking. It's not my words today. I feel that uh, <clears throat> the Lord is challenging us. And uh, I want to just be obedient. So uh, uh, today is more an obedience for me. And if we like it, we like it. If we don't like it, we don't like it. It doesn't matter for me. Today, this is, I think, the, the word of the Lord. Amen? Success is obedience. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11 and 12. It's a familiar passage. We'll start with this. And then we're going to also jump to Acts chapter 6. And verse 1, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, it says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Um, I'm going to just stop right there. Uh, in the NIV, it says to prepare God's people for works of service. The King James says to, uh, to prepare for the ministry of the saints. And I like the King James better. The ministry of the saints. Can everybody say the ministry of the saints? The title of my message today is the ministry of the saints. Yeah. Okay, say that again, please. The ministry of the saints. Um, I think if we look at this passage of scripture, we can see clearly the division of labor. And the main thing that we see is that it's not me that is the minister. And it is not me that does the ministry. The ministry belongs to the saints. My job as a pastor is to prepare God's people for the works of the ministry or the works of service. So I am not the one in charge of the ministry. The saints are the ones in charge of the ministry. I am an empowering agent. I am the one who prepares God's people, but the ministry is not mine, it's the saints. Amen? Okay, now having established that, let's go to Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom we will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So see, there's the ministry of the word and the ministry of the saints. Okay, my job eh, is ministry of the word. Your job is ministry of the saints. When a trouble uh, arose in the church over the daily distribution of, of bread, eh, the apostle said it would not be right for us to neglect this ministry of the word. So let us uh, appoint people 
who will oversee this ministry and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And when we see the fruit of that decision, we see that the ministry increased, the word of God increased, and the numbers were added to, uh, not the, not numbers were added to their fellowship daily. Amen. The word of God increased in power. So we have to have this proper division of labor because it's how God arranged it, uh, arranged for, for, for it to be. Our vision is redeeming nations in righteousness. Our mission uh, is trans, uh, empowering people with the word of God to transform society. So the transform society, it's the result of the word at work in our lives. Amen. Um, uh, in, in my school, uh, I was reading a, a seminar paper presented by another student. And this uh, student was combining the Eucharist with the liberation theology. And uh, the idea that he was saying, and I really liked the idea, and I think it's, it, it kind of started me on this, I, uh, this season of engagement with the Lord. And he said that um, the Eucharist has to be coupled in with liberation theology. Liberation theology is uh, a, a, a branch of theology that was started in, in South and Latin America, and then it made its way uh, across uh, uh, South, uh, South Africa and much of America. It, it's an idea that um, the, the response to the gospel should be uh, justice in areas where there is no justice. That's maybe the short version. And so what he was saying is that uh, every time when we take the Lord's Supper, when we take the bread and the wine as we did today, Jesus said, remember me. So we receive the blessing, but we remember him. Okay, And what we remember about him is that he who is God himself. Eh? Uh, Philippians 2 says that he did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. But he humbled himself and he made himself uh, obedient even to the point of death. Is that what it says? And, and so he came down to serve us and as we take the elements we are receiving, we are the benefactors of a God who came down. And, and, and emptied and divested himself of his glory to serve us and lift us up. And so the idea is that as we remember him, the, the, the communion is complete. Not when we receive it, but when it comes through us and we give that to others. When we ourselves go low to lift others up. When we divest of ourselves of our glory to lift others up. Yeah, and so he was, he was arguing, in fact, let me just share some of the things, and I think it's really, really, I want us to, to take this to heart. Um, the church, through her liturgy and sacraments, is the laboratory where transfiguration happens and is infused into the rest of the world. So he came and served us, while we were undeserving and while we were not thinking of him. And as we remember him, it moves us to also eh, infuse that life into others. To serve others, to lift others up. Amen? Yeah. It's the natural flow of the church. And it's important that we get this right because if we don't get this right, we cannot expect the world to transform society. Because the world has no cause as we have a cause we are the ones who have been touched we are the ones who have received 
We are the ones who have been blessed by the sacrifice of Jesus. We understand what love is. We understand what love is. And so as we understand, eh, our, our engagement, true transformation only comes from us. It cannot come from anybody else because no one has received like us. Yeah? Amen, amen? So if the church does not do its job, it won't happen. Amen. Now go with me please to Matthew chapter 7. And verse number 12. And we're going to um, do verse 12 and then jump down to verse 22. Um, verse 12 says, So in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I would like to repeat that. So in everything... In everything, so in everything, so in everything. In the Greek, it says this word everything, it means everything. Hmm? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets is not unpacked with deep studies of theological treaties. It's very simple. The gospel is so simple that even a little child can recognize it when they see it. In everything, do to others. In everything, as you would have them do unto you. For this sums up all the law and the prophets. Now jump down with me. It talks then about the narrow, the wide gate, the tree and its fruits. Verse, verse uh, uh, 20, 20, 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil do doers. So the ones who's prophesying in his name, the ones who's doing miracles and casting out demons in his name, he says, I never knew you. Why? Because the law and the prophets is not fulfilled with the prophecy and the manifestations. I'm not saying we don't need manifestations. But I'm saying that that's not what the law and the prophets is fulfilled by. How is the law and the prophets fulfilled? The law and the prophets is fulfilled when we do unto others in everything as we would have them do unto us. So, so the difference between the ones that he knows... And the ones that he does not know. Isn't it funny? The things that our heart is so drawn to. Eh? And the things that God's heart is so drawn to. Is completely different. As far as the east is from the west. You know, you know how it is when we even talk church. Did you go to so and so church? They have an amazing prophet. Did you see the miracle? Did you, you know that's what we get up. And we go line up right? I go line up. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'll go line up. Eh? Uh, but God does not line up with what you line up for. God lines up for the one who's, whether he has the gift or not, in everything he does to others what he would have them do unto them. And, and God says, well, that's the law and the prophets right there. So I know you, but it's very possible that though I know you, I don't know them. All right? In everything. Everybody say in everything. Yeah. Praise the Lord. You see, this becomes so important. Why? Because 
especially on a day when we take communion, this is precisely how Jesus ministered unto us. Aren't you so glad that Jesus did not sit on his throne for in heaven and prophesy our deliverance? Hmm? He got off of his throne and he came down. And he did to us what we did not deserve. He lifted us up and he says, now remember me. Amen? I'm glad he did not save me with a gift. But I'm glad that he came down and shed his own blood. Divested of himself. And did what I could never do for myself. So that I can be a child of God right here, right where I stand. I am looking good today, not because I spent extra time in the mirror. I'm looking good today because he saw my wretched state and came down for me. And lifted me up. This is the gospel. It's actually quite simple. And so the more we rem remember this, eh? and if we remember this properly, it should produce a response in us. That in everything. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, in, the, in the gospel of Matthew chapter 17, the Bible says that Jesus took the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, took them up to a high mountain, and there he was transfigured before them. His clothes shone like the light, the glory of God descended, and, and Moses and Elijah and Pastor Z stood there with him. Hallelujah. You didn't see the picture? Yeah. Uh, he, they stood and, 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 and the voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved. I mean, it was like, you, you know, forget the, the 3D cinematography. I mean, this was like the glory of God came down. And Peter and the disciples fell on their face. And Peter said, uh, Lord, should, we should bring three, we should build three tents, three shelters here so we can stay up here forever. We don't want to go down from this. And then when they woke up, everything was gone. And, and, and after they woke up, Jesus took them down the mountain. And when they went down the mountain, there was a demon-possessed boy there. And they had to take care of that mess. And, and like Jesus is leading them, right? Jesus led them up the mountain. And Jesus led them down the mountain. We like to go up on the mountain and build tents. But Jesus likes to take us up the mountain and then bring us down the mountain where the mess is. Because if we have a mountain experience, we should bring that down to transform society. If we have a mountain experience, it's not for us to stay there forever. It's to take that as, and use that as fuel to go and in everything do to others. Uh, are you following what I'm saying? And I don't know about you, like, I, I love the presence of God. I love, I mean, this band worship team, you need to slow down a little bit. I mean, we feel like we could just go to heaven from here. And sometimes you say, why don't we just build a tent right here and just stay here forever? All right. But God designed for you to enjoy this and to go down out that door into that mess called the government office. It's by design. The one who led you up here, he's the same God that's leading you over there too. And he's sending you there for a purpose so that in everything you can do to others as it has been done for you. Because if it's been done for you, the natural response, if you really understand, it's simple. Serve somebody. Bless somebody. Yeah? Find a need and meet it. It's, it's, it's simple. And, and basically, this was, this was the, the challenge. You know, some real, I think that's the real healthy cycle. You know, Moses went up the mountain, yeah? got something and came down the mountain to transform society with that thing. Right? You know, true spirituality is not, you know, how contorted your face is during the time of worship. 
You know, we see people like that and say, oh my goodness, they must be looking straight at God. They're not looking as straight at God. That's not the sign of true spirituality. We enjoy that. I'm the first to get contorted in my face. Take a picture, you'll see. Just, But after that, we have to go down the mountain. After that, we have to transform society. After that, we have to help somebody. Yeah. If we've really got the message, it leaves us with a little bit of homework. Yeah. And if you are only excited about the gift and the prophecy and the, the manifestation and the miracles, I'm not saying we don't need miracles. We need miracles. We need the power of God. We need the help of God. But that is not the standard that God uses as a qualification to say, I know you. He knows us when we do to others. And you can prophesy without doing to others. You can prophesy and be greedy and stingy. Lord help us. Yeah? So I'm not saying either or. I'm saying both because it's all from God. Right? But don't leave one without the other. Don't prophesy without serving somebody. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, or, or no, in the book of Genesis. Um, Chapter, chapter 14, uh, the Bible tells the story of Abraham and uh, his nephew Lot. And the Bible says that Lot was, was living in Sodom and five kings came together, overpowered the king of Sodom and took all of the city captive, including Lot and his family. And when Abraham heard that his nephew Lot had been taken captive, he rallied up 318 men from his own house, small army, and they marched against those kings and they delivered Lot from all of that oppression and brought him home and brought him back to his place. And the Bible says, after that, eh, he met a man named Melchizedek who brought out bread and wine. And it's interesting because this is in the book of Genesis. Bread and wine was not a, a, something that was appointed until the time of Jesus. This was 2,000 years early. There is no cross. There is no, this is my body and this is my blood. What's the bread and the wine doing in Genesis? Eh? You know, you pick the fruit when it's ripe, not when it's... Uh, you, you understand what I'm saying? But I think Abraham qualified for bread and wine because in everything he was doing to others as he would have them do unto him. He was embodying the principle that should accompany the Lord's Supper. Amen? Meaning that when he heard that Lot was in trouble, eh? you know, if, if it was, okay, if it was me, if you remember the backstory, uh, when God called Abraham to go to the land that I will show you, Lot, his nephew, came with him, uninvited. God spoke to Abraham. He did not speak to Lot. Right? So this is uh, out of place from the beginning. Secondly, when the land got too big for the two of them, they started, they're, they're, the, the, the herdsmen of Abraham started to fight with the herdsmen of Lot. They were having conflict. And so Abraham said, listen, listen, listen. We should not fight one another because we're brothers. So let's do this. Uh, Lord, you choose wherever you want to go. If you go to the east, I will go to the west. If you go to the west, I'll go to the east. And, and the Bible says that Lot saw that the land towards Sodom was a good land. It looked good and, and, and pleasant. So he said, I'll take that land. Now, if I was Abraham, I would say, look, stupid. You don't even belong here. Now you're taking the best land for yourself. You greedy, selfish pig. What do you think? You know, that's human nature. 
But Lot went to Sodom and Abraham said, then I'll go this way. And then later, Lot now gets in trouble and he is kidnapped and, and, and held for, uh, taken by kings as captive of war. If I was Abraham at that, at that point, I would say, show you right. Hmm? Greedy, this is what you deserve. Eh? Judgment has come from the Lord. Hallelujah. God has stood with the righteous and God has condemned the guilty. Faithful God. Just God. But Abraham did not do that because Abraham somehow in his spirit knew that in everything, do to others as you would have them do unto you. And he got his men and went and rescued Lot and brought him back to his, his home. Now I think the idea here is that uh, when Abraham is serving people like this, God is saying, I know you. I'm going to send Melchizedek to you. I'm going to introduce you to an element that is so far ahead of time because you embodied it in the Old Testament. And I believe every time we take the cup and the wine, uh, we should be reminded that the extent that God went to serve us. If we don't understand it, we've missed the point and society cannot be transformed. Hallelujah. Uh, every visitation on the top of the mountain should result in some kind of help at the bottom of the mountain. Uh, the, 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 the river that flowed out of the temple in the book of Ezekiel, it flowed through the whole land and brought life to everything that it touched. It even went into the salt sea and made the salt water fresh because that's the power of a genuine source where God has established something. Even in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, which is the great uh, chapter that deals with Pentecost, and we Pentecostals love the book of Acts because of what happened on Pentecost. And Pentecost, the Bible says, suddenly. Have you heard those preachings before? Suddenly. I feel a God coming in. Suddenly. And everyone's jumping and whatever. All right? I love those preachings too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah? I'll be the first to say suddenly because that's what he does. And I'm a victim of suddenly. Hmm? But what started with a suddenly... In the beginning of the book of Acts, by the time we get to the end of the book of Acts, it's no longer a suddenly. The Bible says everyone had everything in common. Because from time to time, those with houses and lands would sell their possessions and it would be distributed among themselves as each had need. We need a proper revival within the revival of Pentecost. Meaning that somehow Pentecost resulted in serving others to the point that there was no needy among them. That they would, in everything... Yeah, they would do to others. It was just a natural response to everything that God has done. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. I'm feeling him moving in me right about now. We don't need a revival on the top of the mountain. We've had enough of that in Ethiopia. We need a revival at the bottom of the mountain. Somebody needs to know how much God loves them. Someone needs to go and lift somebody up. Somebody needs to engage in the ministry of the saints. And I think we're too overfed. In, in the church. We are too much staying at the top of the mountain. Jesus went down the mountain. We're still up there in our tent waiting for the next round. Talking about the move of God that he did eh, in the 1954 revival. Eh? We're staying in our tent and Jesus is no longer there anymore. We don't need a revival at the top of the mountain. We, we need a revival at the bottom of the mountain. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You, you, you may ask, Pastor, well, what about prosperity? 
Don't you believe in prosperity as a gospel? The gospel of Jesus was made poor so that we might become rich. Hallelujah. I believe in prosperity because poverty doesn't look too attractive. Okay, it's pretty simple. But, but see, there's two sources of prosperity. And we have to know, it's not just prosperity, it's, it's how we get the prosperity. In Egypt, the G Egyptians prospered greatly, but they did so at the expense of the Hebrew slaves. And the more the slaves were oppressed, the more Egypt prospered. And that's the system of the world, right? The system of the world is prospering at the expense of somebody else. Uh, that was the picture of the Roman Empire and every empire since then. Even today, a lot of African problems come from this Egyptian form of prosperity. We are poor, but believe me, somebody is doing just fine because of our poverty. And even if, Lord help us, even within our own country, uh, there's some people that's doing very well off of your drama. Hmm? And, and in one sense, that's prosperity, but that's not kingdom prosperity. And that's the difference, you see. Uh, God wants us to prosper, but not the way they prosper in Egypt. God wants us to prosper in His kingdom way, right? But what's kingdom prosperity? Kingdom prosperity is very different. We don't we don't prosper at the expense of another. If you remember the story in Numbers thirty-two, uh, the Bible says that the children of Israel came to the promised land, and they were about to cross over, and possess the land that God had given them. But there was three tribes, Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh. And they saw that the land on the east side of the Jordan was good. And it was a pleasant land and it was good for their, their flocks and herds. And they asked Moses, can we take this land because we want to possess this land and let the rest of the children of Israel possess the land on the other side of the Jordan. And Moses got mad. He said, how could you leave your brothers to fight for themselves and to possess the land uh, and you are here sitting by yourself. And they said, no, 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 not, not so. They said, uh, we will go ahead of our brothers and fight for them and make sure that they inherit their land and we will not possess our land until we have helped our brothers possess their land. And when Moses heard that, he said, that's what I'm talking about. That's a true prosperity. Not when I prosper at your expense, but when I fight for you so that we all prosper together. That the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And so we, 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 we've made a mistake because we've th thought that prosperity was, the only prosperity was the Egyptian prosperity, and we've given a testimony. The true testimony is a little bit like what the Derg came when they came into power, but with a different spirit. With the, with the communist government when they came in, you know how communists, they took all of the most wealthy land, the biggest land, and then they made everybody equal. Okay? Kind of same idea, but wrong spirit. In the, in the book of Acts, when the Spirit of God visited them, they did the exact same thing, but the difference was that they did it willingly. And they sold what they had out of love. And, and it's the motivation that makes the difference. Hallelujah. Amen. And we have more than enough motivation because He's the one who came down. And we have partaken of His bread, and we have drank His cup, and we understand that we have been greatly served beyond what we ever deserve. Remember that. And then in everything... Begin the ministry of the saints. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes or, or something. But this is what the Lord, honestly, this is what the Lord speak, spoke to me. In this season, I can't get away. Every time, actually, I was telling them, I'm scared to open my Bible now. Because every time I open my Bible, God is speaking to me about this. Even when I'm, I'm 
you just randomly, you know, I, I don't do this all the time, but if you have that version phone, they have like a daily devotional. And then the other, I don't do this regularly, just let me just see this, trying to get away from normal, this word. And the guy is preaching about the golden rule and the silver rule. I said, Jesus, help me. Is this you or is this my, you know, and he just been. And so this is a, a message for you, whether you want to hear it or not. Hmm? And I want to encourage you that the ministry of the saints begins as of now. Not to say that we have not been engaged in the ministry of the saints. We've been doing wonderful things. There's a lot of great things that you all have done. We're the best church in the world. I brag about you everywhere that I go. But I think the Lord is bringing this specifically because I think there's something that God is trying to touch. There's somebody out there that's in need of our, our, our help. And he knows that we have what they need and he's calling us off of the mountain today. It almost seems like it's anti-God to get off the mountain, you know. We like the mountain, we like his presence, we like, but, but you know, true kingdom work is not glamorous. Somebody's going to have to roll up their sleeves and get a little bit dirty to help somebody in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says, let, let every mountain, eh, let, let every valley be exalted, let every mountain be made low. Let the crooked place be made straight and the rough places smooth and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and mankind together will see it. The glory of the Lord is easy to see. It's when the mountains are brought low. <laughs> it's when the valleys are brought high. Hallelujah. And everybody uh, is served well because the God's justice and righteousness has prevailed in our, in our midst. We don't have a lack of gifting in Ethiopia. We're the most annoying. I always say, if, you, if, you, if, you, if God was passing out the oil all over the world, the anointing oil, he tripped when he came to Ethiopia and he tri actually tripped when he came to Africa and we got double dose of the oil. And the gifts, the miracles. I mean, I've seen some amazing things. Praise God for everything. Okay? But while we're doing the miracles, let's not forget that it's, that it's possible to do that and have him say, I never knew you. May the Lord protect us from that. Amen. John the Baptist was unique among all the pro prophets of God because he stood as a bridge between the Old and the New Testaments. Right? I mean, he was the one that was sent to prepare the way for the Lord. John the Baptist was, was handpicked by God to prepare the way. He came in the spirit and power of Elijah to restore all things. He came with a message of repentance. And says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There was none greater than John. Jesus testified of those born of women, none is greater than John. He was the stuff. And he's like, so, so the question is like, they asked him, okay, what do we do now? To prepare the way for the, what do we do? And he didn't say roll out the red carpet, call the bodyguards and get the motorcade because the king of glory is coming. He didn't say that. And they said, what should we do? He said, very simple. If you have two coats, give one. Do the same with your food. Amen. That is how we prepare the way for the king of glory. Uh, not a big poster and a banner and blowing trumpets and having all of the, the entourage go march ahead of him. Share your coat. If you have two, share one. Do your job in everything. Do to others. Consider others. Think of others. We're not trying to get the attention of men. Are we? No, we're trying to get the attention of God. We're trying to say to please God in everything. It starts within everything. Consider others. 
Let the river that has flowed to you, let that same river flow through you. Let somebody else be blessed by what God has done in your life. I know this is not good African preaching. I should have preached the proper prosperity. You are next in line for your blessing. Hallelujah. You are next in line. Hallelujah. No, it's not you that's next in line. They are next in line. Because you've already been served. You've already been served. Do you remember properly? In everything. The ministry of the saints. Um, justice is simple. It's so easy to see good works. It's so easy. Even the Bible says those who are not believers, they will see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. It's so simple. A little child can see the kingdom in you if you do it right. It's very obvious for all to see. It's not a mystery. You know what's a mystery? It's corruption. Injustice is very complicated. It's, it's very twisted. Long spreadsheets and all econometrics and deep, deep, uh, dark, unfathomed calculations and physics and graphs and charts and numbers. That's what corruption looks like. Justice is simple. If you have two, share one. Everyone gets that. It's a light that everyone can see. May the Lord visit our, our government office with justice and righteousness. Yeah. Justice and righteousness is simple. I heard of the store, uh, a church in, in Seattle, Ethiopian church, Madani Alem Evangelical Church. I, I, I used to visit there during my youth ministry days. And uh, I heard a story recently that uh, in that town in Seattle where the Ethiopian Evangelical Church, the, the church... The Orthodox Church lost their, their abuna, their, their, their priest. He died. And when the evangelical church heard that the Orthodox Church lost their priest, it was them that ran around and gathered all the food and prepared all the lexo and served all the people during their time of mourning. And it was such a blessing because normally we don't do that. But it was such a blessing that now the evangelical church in Seattle, the Ethiopian church, is now viewed with respect by the Orthodox Church, because justice is simple, right? It's easily recognizable. Love is simple. It's not complicated. And I know, you know, you might say, well, that's Orthodox. We're not of the same doctrine or belief system. Well, love has nothing to do with doctrine. In fact, love is far, far above any doctrine. You know, thank God Jesus did not wait for us to get our doctrine right before he saved us. In fact, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, forget doctrine, while we were sinners, professional, I mean, IU type of sinners, eh? I mean, pre-Christ, pre eh? while we were like that, Jesus died for us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's, it's simple. Uh, I, I have to honor my parents in this. When, when, when uh, they started the church in Nairobi, Amanuel Church, it was right at the time of the refugee crisis uh, where, where, where a lot of people who were in trouble uh, in the early 90s, they fled the, the border and came to Kenya from Ethiopia. And I just saw it in everything. I mean, I saw this physically, and I saw the impact that it, that it made. You know, sharing what, what, what you, you, you have in everything. And, and so, for, like, so at the time, I was in Bible school, um, and I would learn the theories. And there's nothing you need to learn the theories, the philosophy, the history, Manami. But I would come home in Kenya for, for a break, and I would see, like, 
just see the gospel demonstrated in such power that it kind of almost made me question what I'm learning over here sometimes. This is really what we need because the true theology is very simple. If you have to share one and do this in everything and let's see if God will make up the difference. And I saw thousands and thousands of people, I mean the most critical, critical refugee cases rise up to be mighty men and women of God because we prosper together and we fight for one another. And it was a, it was a greater d- lesson in me in theology than anything I've learned in cemetery. Hmm? God is good and he's good through me. It's simple. It helps. It's easily recognizable. Amen, amen? Can I brag on my church now? Brag on my church? Brag on my church now? In everything? When, when, when COVID shut the church down, we presented a challenge on Telegram because it was by Telegram that we were connected. And we have people that we're helping in Ntoto. Uh, and um, uh, we realized that when everything shut down, their business shut down. And so we presented a challenge. Uh, uh, if we could support these people. And for 18 months, we supported 200 families with food during COVID while we were not even meeting here. Because in everything, right? That's what God used you all, you all to do. And, uh, you know, I could talk about Beza and Toto Outreach, which started from our uh, home, group, home group ministry. I remember I was in the home group ministry when someone came and said, the most needy people in our city is on Toto Mountain. Because on that mountain, that's where all the HIV victims go for Sebel. Sebel, like a holy water treatment. And they are the most critical cases in the, in, the, in the whole city. And someone brought that and someone said, let's go. So that was midweek home care group. On Saturday, a team had gone on the mountain to do investigation. And then the next week they went and developed a, they developed a program of every Saturday going house to house and visiting these people. And then some of the nurses in the church says, I will sign up. And they came and they began doing the, 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 the drug administration. Then we got a partnership with the local hospital there. And we, the program grew to job creation, empowerment. And we started our project actually on the compound of St. Mary's Church in, 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 uh, in Toto. Uh, over the years, we've had a lot of challenges within Toto because of the government regulation, which put us in conflict with our staff, which put us in conflict with the beneficiaries. One time, they came and started to fight us, you know, and so we've had a lot of challenge to the point that I was almost ready to close up shop and say, this is not worth it. And then the Lord brought Hermias, our director. What a blessing he has been. And he just shored up our, our programs. And uh, we've, we've, we've been, so currently there's about 2,500 direct beneficiaries currently, indirectly probably minimum 3,500 beneficiaries that get support from our outreach in, in Toto, in uh, Batuzwai and South Gondar collectively, even now. Yeah? And through, through our, our job uh, creation and training and lo- saving and loans, the women in our, so we select the most needy women uh, in partnership with the local Kabbalah, give them uh, uh, job skill training and teach them how to save and open their own credit and savings. And then they, we move that out of the umbrella of the ministry. It's now a standalone project. But altogether, they have saved 5 million bur to, to, to take loans off and start businesses. If you go to Shiromeda, a lot of the businesses there is from our own project. Amen, amen. 
And, and we are re recognized just about every year. The Gulele subsidy, they give us an award saying you are the best NGO in, in, in the area. This is the model. We want all programs to be like your program. It's for the, and we don't make a lot of noise about this, but it's just in everything, right? Where's the need? Let's plug the need. And we thank God that we started the program ourselves, but over the years, there's other organizations that have seen our good work and seen how they ask how they can help. So we're also in these projects supported by Tirza International, by the Mennonite Central Community, even though we are not Mennonite. Light is bigger than denomination. Yeah? By Lift uh, Spin Church and their Lift Outreach, these people have seen our good work and come alongside to support us because it's a kingdom project at the end of the day. Uh, so far, I asked for some statistics, and they said, overall, in all of since we started from that small home group, we have, uh, through our interventions, sanitary project, job creation, emergency relief, over 30,000 people have been supported as beneficiaries through our programs from one home care group. Yeah? Okay, that was a very polite clapping. You're next in line. Your blessing is coming. You are next. You are. <laughs> no, but this is the stuff that God is paying attention to. I believe in all of the power of God, the gifts of God. The, I, I mean, let, let's bring it on. But let's also, when we are finished on the top of the mountain, let's realize that we need to go down the mountain. So today we're launching a new ministry today. And this is by instruction of the Holy Spirit. Today we launch the ministry of the saints. Like I told you, I realized I am not the ministry minister. You all are the ministers. I am the enabling, empowering force for the minister. I encourage you to do the works of the ministry. The ministry of the saints is your responsibility. And I think I've had a, maybe a bit of a, a challenge is that because I am the pastor, I've brought in a, a word. Then I've many times introduced projects. And the projects don't always uh, materialize because it's not my responsibility. That's your responsibility. Amen? That's what they said in Acts, isn't it? it? says, let's appoint some people so that this need will be covered and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So we're starting ministry of the saints today. Okay? And this is what ministry of the saints is going to look like. All of you meet in home cares uh, during the week. Right? So this week and every week hereafter when you meet for home care, home care leaders, I'm talking to you. You will do your normal discussion, your prayer, your fellowship, your laughing, your jokes. But then after that, we're going to have a time to consider where the damage is that needs to be fixed. In your neighborhood, in your cabaret, whatever. And then what you do is when you are, have come up with your idea, you give it to your home care leader. Your home care leader will bring it to our home care overseers. We have now prepared a committee that will take all of the ideas from you all. And we will select every month the best idea. And we'll decide which is the best doable idea that will make impact. All right? And then we will bring that idea. And every time, every month, when we take the Lord's Supper, we will also introduce the idea for this month. And we will either take up a registration or we will take up a special second offering, or whatever we need to do, we will mobilize our church resources to address this need. And then the following month when we come for uh, the Lord's Supper again, we will report what happened in this last month. This is where the light is now shining. And then we will introduce the next project and it will be part of the life cycle of our church. Every time when we lift the bread and the wine, we will remember properly. 
and in everything we will do to others. Amen? And, and I mean, there's so, the needs are great. Amen. The, the needs are great, but I think if we just put our hand, God will multiply. And God will add the blessing and people will be... And there's so many things. I mean, I've had, you know, we can do a soup kitchen and have people be fed. You know, we can go just do hospital rounds in the, in the, in the wards of the public. You know, private hospitals are really doing good in Ethiopia. But public hospitals are challenged sometimes. They're lacking a lot of basic facilities. So we can go to hospitals and we can find out maybe the people who are in need of a little bit of money to finish their procedure so they can be released. Right? Sometimes it's just a little bit of money that they lack. We take up an offering and just close out, empty out an entire ward of a hospital. It's light. Right? Now, I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm not the minister. You are the minister. I'm just giving you an example to think about. So home care is a time where we discuss these things and we bring it to the church because we can't wait for the government to get it right. The government has too many uh, headaches. Yeah. Some of you are making a mistake getting online and posting about your sentiments about the government. No, no, you're not supposed to do that. The government needs us. We don't need them. If we're not praying for our leaders, don't protest. Because you are getting what you prayed or did not pray for. Yeah. In everything, if we do it unto others, we will be the ones that they come to. Just like Joseph was needed in Egypt. Just like Daniel was needed in Babylon. Just like Esther was needed. You are just as valuable because you have Tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You have been served. You have been served. So I'm kind of excited about this because number one, I'm relieving myself of my responsibility to do the ministry of the saints. We come up with projects. We come up with ideas. You know, I shared this. I've been talking with him and Abba about this. You know what Abba said? He said, you know, it's very simple. To redeem nations in righteousness is very simple. If every person just cleans up the mess in front of their house, if everybody just does that, the, house, the nation is clean. I'll give you. Yeah. So this is the challenge I'm presenting. Today we release the ministry of the saints. So that's the message today. Can hmm? we say amen? Are we ready for the ministry of the saints? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we're grateful. We thank you for this ministry that you have given to us. I pray that as we stretch out our hands to become your extension, that people would be blessed, that people would be served, and that your light would be seen. Um, this is not about us. This is about you. This is about your kingdom. This is about the true ministry. <laughs>